Welcome to Album Divers. This is a podcast created by two music lovers who still remember listening to albums from start to finish the way the artists intended. We give history, track-by-track analysis, and delve into the music lyrics of some of the best albums of the past and today. Thanks for joining us. Let's dive in. Welcome to Album Divers. I'm Shane. And I'm Trevor. On this podcast, we take turns choosing albums to discuss and review. We alternate between one album released this calendar year and one that's been around a while. All right. It was your pick this time, Shane, for an album that's been around a while. This is one that hasn't been around too long. Yeah, you're right. This is an album that I wanted to pick at some point. It's by one of my all-time favorite bands who now goes by the name Watch House. But when I was introduced to them, they were known as Mandolin Orange. And as you mentioned, it's not that old. It was released on May 5th, 2015, and it's titled Such Jubilee. I'll know I'm home at last When these thoughts no longer call me Away from the arms of my darling And into the dark Nice, Shane. Okay, so I think this album, we have to talk a little bit about the backstory of my introduction to this band before we talk about yours, because when we first started talking about making a podcast. It was sometime middle or late 2019, and we didn't get it actually rolling until 2020, but we were throwing around some ideas, sharing music, and a different album by, at this point, it was still Mandolin Orange is one of the ones that you tossed around as maybe an album we would dissect. And so one of the first albums you introduced me to was their 2019 release, which I'm forgetting the name of all of a sudden. Tides of a Teardrop, yeah. That's right. Yeah, and that's because we were looking at doing a new album, I think for that year, because we were we were discussing this at the end of the year, yeah, and you know that was a band that I was really listening to a lot. That was when I, I really uh, dove in deep to their catalog, and I thought, you know, this is a band that I want to talk about on the podcast eventually, and and they have a new album that uh, was released in 2019, the year we started talking about this, and it was a really good one as well. So that was the the tentative plan, and then obviously things got pushed back a little bit right and then i was somewhat disappointed that we didn't get to do that one and it would have felt weird to do a 2019 album in 2020 or 2021 so to reach back a little further to 2015 for this one was exciting and the way that it was revealed that this is the one we were going to do is you sent a really awesome little package to me with three albums that you mentioned are your next three older picks. Instructions were I couldn't open them until it was revealed that it was your next time to pick an album. And so I now have the vinyl of this. And that's what I've mostly been listening to, to take in this album. And that's been really fun. It's been very hard to not open the other two, but I'm excited to 
get to that point whenever we do, but this was really nice to have. And what an awesome gesture, something to kind of look forward to as we continue this podcast. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is probably good music to be uh, listening to on vinyl. It's it's not super enhanced or, or uh, requires a, a top of the line sound system or, or headphones that that allow you to pick up on all these different layered tracks like like some new music and, and other bands that we've covered in the past. This is fairly stripped down music. It's it's centered around the lyrics, laid back and chill from a from a music uh, standpoint. So I imagine that's been fun listening to it on vinyl. Yeah, it's sparse enough. We'll talk about it as we get into the track by tracks of this album as well. But I noticed immediately with that 2019 release that they do a really good job with this channel separation. And so having that sparseness really brings out, you know, left channel, right channel with some of the strings and harmonies. So it actually was a really good one to listen to on vinyl. So both of my introductions to this band, both that 2019 one now, and then this just came in the last few years. But tell us a little bit about where you discovered Mandolin Orange. I can't remember off, off the top of my head. I imagine they showed up on a Spotify playlist or maybe I was listening to some music and it, it rolled into one of their songs. I don't even know what song I first heard of theirs, but I, I loved the sound immediately. I think it was sometime in 2017 or 18, I, I believe, that I, that I first discovered them and gradually became a, a bigger fan. It, it was difficult for me to choose which album to go over. I think at this point in 2022, I could technically have chosen that 2019 album, Tides of a Teardrop, and it's right up there with this one as far as an album that's worthy of a, a pick for this podcast, and so is Blindfaller from 2016, and, and even This Side of Jordan from 2013, which was kind of looked at as their coming out party was a very good album as well. But I think I arrived at choosing the 2015 release, Such Jubilee, because it has a couple tracks that are definitely in the top five of my favorite songs by this band. And I really wanted to be able to talk about them. So, I, <laughs> hey, Will, <laughs> you want to talk about them too? <laughs> So I, I I went with this album mainly because of, of a few songs, but when I look at my top 10 to 15 tracks by this band over the years, I think two or three come from each of their popular albums. So they, they've consistently delivered over the years and, and stayed true to their uh, sound, you know, over that time period that I was really uh, getting into them pretty deeply. And, uh, any of those um, picks could have been uh, worthy of this podcast. Awesome. And I also wanted to give you the opportunity. I think you and your dad have a special connection with this band. Am I recalling that right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I shared their music with him shortly after I discovered them as well. And, and he really loves their sound enough that in 2019, actually, wait. 2020. It was right before the pandemic. I believe it was February of 2020. I was able to score some tickets for he and I to go see them in Iowa City at a, a really intimate venue called the Englert Theater. It's fairly small, really good acoustics, and not room for, for too many people. So it's a, a quiet atmosphere and 
it was a really awesome experience for us to to go there together and then i think three or four weeks later we we found out the emergence of covid and the lockdowns and, and everything that followed from there and i think that was the last concert that i attended until my dad and i went to a music festival last summer so it was something that we looked back on over the past couple of years and longed for the day that we could go back to a concert uh and, and that was the last one that he and i had been to um and it was together so definitely a, a special event uh in our lives um, together and then with the what will eventually become the historical context of of covid being discovered shortly after and and everything that that encompasses you know having those freedoms taken away and the ability to to go out to eat and go to shows and, and do fun stuff like that it was kind of like wow that was the last time uh, we got to do something cool like that uh, together. So it'll definitely be something that he and I uh, reflect on. Oh, wow. Yeah, that does stand out. I didn't know when I asked you that, that that was the last concert you saw before everything shut down. Yeah, mm-hmm. even more yeah. Uh, memorable for that reason. Yeah, it was crazy. And then uh, another fun experience the year before in October of 2019. So only three or four months before my dad and I went to see them, I was able to see them at Hardly Strictly Bluegrass out in San Francisco at Golden Gate ah, Park. Ah, okay. So mm-hmm. You've seen them twice now then. Yeah, so that was my first time seeing them, and that outdoor concert was live-streamed, and I was able to share the link with my folks, and they were able to watch it with me. And I think they even said they saw me out in the audience uh, once or twice, because obviously with my height I stand out, and I had uh, this really cool hat on that, that uh, they were able to recognize. So, you know, if you count uh, virtual attendance, I, I've seen them twice with my dad and once with my mom. So that's awesome. Well, since this is a band you've known a little longer than me, and obviously it being your pick, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history of this band leading up to this album and, and uh, beyond? All right. So in 2009, Andrew Marlin and Emily Franz met at a nightclub, I believe, of, of sorts where... Uh, a band that they both enjoyed was was performing or, or had a, a weekly gig, I believe, where other musicians would, would join in and play at times. And uh, the two of them met there that night and, and hit it off and started playing music together and would uh, eventually form a relationship um, together as well. I, I believe that preceded uh, them coming together as a band. Um, I know they were playing together and enjoying their their love of music and playing similar sounds for fun but i i think they began dating and and forming a uh, relationship together uh, prior to the coming together and and forming a band and coming up with a name and deciding to go down that path together the band was formed in chapel hill uh, north carolina as i mentioned earlier it uh, originally was under the name mandolin orange Marlin is lead vocals. Uh, he plays the mandolin, guitar, and the banjo, and, and he's also the uh, primary songwriter. And Emily is mainly on harmonizing vocals, although she does sing lead uh, occasionally, generally one or two tracks per album. And she's an incredible violinist and also plays the guitar and, and I believe uh, a whole slew of other instruments um, here and there as well. Their music can best be described as Americana, bluegrass, and folk rock. There are some some gospel and, and country elements mixed in there, and even a little bit of pop. 
2010 was their first release. That one was titled Quiet Little Room. In 2011, they released another album titled Haste Make Hard Hearted Stranger. 2013 was their coming out party with an album titled This Side of Jordan. 2015, Such Jubilee, the one we'll be discussing today. 2016, Blind Faller. 2019, uh, Tides of a Teardrop. And that ended their discography under the name Mandolin Orange. And then in April of 2021, the band announced that moving forward, they would change the group's name from Mandolin Orange to Watch House. Marlon has been quoted as saying, Mandolin Orange was born out of my 21-year-old mind. Uh, The name isn't what I strive for when I write. And Watch House is a name that, that reflects our true intentions as a band. So last year, they released another album in 2021, their, I guess you could call it, debut self-titled album under their new band name, Watch House, uh, which, which I will say takes on a little different sound, not necessarily better nor worse, but it's, it's different, um, I would say, and I don't know if that's something that they're going toward more now as they move forward as a band, or if that was something unique about their 2021 album and, and future releases will and get us back to some of their uh, original sounds and, and roots as a band. But uh, definitely moving in a different direction artistically, metaphorically, I suppose, through the, the band name and what they're trying to accomplish uh, by putting their work out into the world. Nice. As somebody kind of coming in somewhat more fresh than you on them, I kind of like Watch House. Yeah, I'm still sort of digesting the the switch. I mean, it'd be harder know. to get used to something new. Yeah, know? I mean, like imagine if the Seattle Mariners decided to change their <laughs> name to something else. <laughs> it'd be too hard. Well, when they changed the even the stadium name for the Mariners, I had a hard time. So right, yeah, I, was, gotta, I fell in love with a uh, insurance company for the name <laughs> of my stadium, which is ridiculous. So I get it. I get it. Yeah, I mean, you get attached, uh, you know, just to that staple and everything connected to your experience uh, with the band, the product, uh, everything around it. So definitely something to get used to uh, with the new name. And I, I do like the sound of, of their new album, but I I don't know if I like it quite as much as what they initially um, introduced me to three, four, five years back or whatever it's been now. So I am hoping that some of their new albums at least touch on roots that uh, I I really became fond of. Well, briefly, I'll I'll give a short background of the album that we're about to discuss today, their 2015 release titled Such Jubilee. I found this fascinating. All 10 songs on this album were written while the band was out on the road. And I, I... I think, you know, that's fitting because the album has many themes of life on the road, the highs and lows, love, loss, hope and despair, happiness and regret, and most importantly, the the joys of coming home when all that's over and getting back to the the familiarity and and comfort of the place where you grew up, uh, the people you know, the people who know you, and everything that, that, that provides you. Uh, as a human that that allows you to kind of debrief after uh, being on the road and dealing with everything that that life throws at you. That's fitting. I didn't realize that these songs were written that way, and I can understand that now, reflecting back on some of the lyrics. I also want to mention that it is, or that it was, recorded at Echo Mountain Studio in Asheville, North Carolina. So not only were these songs 
written while they were on the road and fantasizing or, or longing for the time that they would return home. They also recorded this in their home state. So I'm sure that gives it a little bit more sense of feeling at home and being comfortable in the studio, knowing that, you know, they're in that place that brings them some kind of peace. That's a cool contrast. Written on the road, recorded at home. Mm-hmm. You got awesome. it. Well, let's get into it. The first track is called Old Ties and Companions. But old Ties and Companions You and I were just passing through This opening track immediately goes back to that theme of life on the road and, and longing for going home to the old ties and companions, the, the place you grew up, the people you know. And it has that sort of feeling of, of nostalgia interlaced in lines like things don't last forever and, and never let these ties sever it makes me think about some of those real strong connections whether it be family family friends or, or high school buddies that you're still in touch with and when you go back and see them even if three or four years has passed or, or even more than that it's almost like nothing has changed and you can jump right back into the place where you left off that that familiarity and comfort of being home yeah, I think the passage of time feels like a theme on this album. So to start off with one like this, I think is very fitting. And I was really thinking about father and son relationship for some reason on this song. It, it's not explicitly said, though the opening words of old man give me endless time mm-hmm. made me think of that. I was, I've mentioned that this album I listened to a lot on the vinyl that you got me, but I've also talked about how I'm on Bard a lot when I'm listening to these albums just because of the time that I've got as I'm commuting to work. But this album, the bulk of my really deep dive on this one, was on a plane ride to Vegas to have a weekend with my dad. We had a oh, dad's wow. trip. Cool. And so I downloaded oh, this man. so that I could listen to it on repeat. And and so that's where my brain was. And that old man give me endless time and the, the breaking bottles part. To me, it sounded like they were sitting out there shooting bottles with a BB gun. Yeah, yeah, or sitting around a fire, drinking beer out in the country, and then chucking the bottle at the tree or something like that, just kind of goofing around. And Yeah, yeah, it's just those kind of mindless times that, for whatever reason, when you look back, that's what ends up sticking with you. Yeah. Maybe and, a good conversation you had, or just something, something that wasn't really significant on the surface, but for whatever reason, those mundane moments are what life is, and that's just what ends up sticking with you sometimes mm-hmm. yeah and, and then you know to to have the line these these times won't last forever it really emphasizes how we have to cherish that time and even though you don't want to think about the end i mean you you know that your time in this world is limited and especially your time with others your time with older folks like like your parents are numbered as well you really have to appreciate you know, the time that you do have to spend with them Right. And I think I texted you after I first dug deeper into this song that that line, keep these ghosts around the haunted fields. Yeah, is the what part did you that make of that? The most to me. The tunes we've carried through the years will change. And man, that's just enough to keep these ghosts around those haunted fields. Yeah, it's around a line that talks about music, and you could take that metaphorically. These tunes we've carried through the years will change. I thought of that as just all the things that change generation to generation, but you've mentioned before that people are more the same than they are different, and I really yeah. agree with that. And when you mm-hmm. talk about like 
generational change and the things that we think we know that our parents didn't know or vice versa. At the end of the day, you take a one big step back and you realize we're kind of reliving the same thing over and over again. And that line we're just passing through yeah, ties yeah. that in together as well. But just the, the ghosts around these haunted fields, I thought of that as generations. Again, I'm back to that father-son thing, but I sort of thought if it's a father and son out in the backyard breaking bottles, somehow there's the ghosts of their grandfather and their great grandfather mm-hmm. and the and the music that ties all of that together we have that unifying tie but we can never fully line up because we're always a little bit different there's something different about each generation that probably not as big as they feel like it is but can somehow keep us a little bit separate too yeah yeah i really like that and you brought up the the line you and I were just passing through it. It's a, a great way of symbolizing how short our lives are in comparison to the age of the world. Grandparents were here and, and passed, and, and our parents are, are maybe nearing the end of their life, and we're somewhere uh, in the middle. In, in the grand scheme of things, we're all just kind of passing through. You know, we're not here very long. Yeah, I think a good one to start out, and I wanted to mention too that I talked about one of the first things I noticed about that 2019 album that you recommend I listen to is that channel separation. And I think this one does that very well. It starts off very much on, I believe it's the right channel. And then you got that banjo that comes in and everything just kind of builds slowly at the beginning before this full sound prior Mm -hmm. to the lyrics beginning. So it does help you kind of piece it together and give some dimension to the music in what is really more of a sparse recording. it ends with the outro so so old man give me endless time never let these ties sever so heaven knows and all this fooling around these times won't last forever after all no make sure that the people who place us where we're going to be after this life know that our ties are are tight we you know we can't let that sever because one of us will pass through and then the other eventually and we want to end up again together uh, someday so i think that's kind of a reference to heaven and the afterlife and you know knowing that these are the people that uh, we want to be connected with. Yeah, keeping these ghosts around. I, mm-hmm. I think that's, I, I viewed that as a positive thing myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I guess I hadn't thought about that either when when that line was uh, combined with haunted fields. It kind of gives me like an eerie feeling, but um, I guess in a way, you know, keep those ghosts around could be uh, keeping those those ties around, those previous generations that have an influence on who we are today and what we went through and have have that that commonality you know in some in some sense um haunting us or making us think about life and time passing and and things like that that maybe could be a little negative or or also that they're inspiring and encouraging and being there for us you know in some capacity whether that's you know like a spirit looking over us give me endless time never let these ties sever Heaven knows and all this fooling round These times won't last forever after all
Yeah, so as I mentioned, I, I think this is a really great opening track for the album. It it sets the stage for the rest of the album, and it, it brings up some of the themes that we'll see come through in later songs. Let's transition into uh, track two here. This one is titled Settled Down. These excuses are useless. We've run aground. Another dent in the gutter made One for every year we've spent together My baby used to sing all night Now she's sound asleep She settled down with a rambling man And found the gentle side of I have a star next to this song in my notes. I think I might say this is my favorite one. And oh, really? I wow. think it's more just because I've got some personal connections to it. And I think I'm reading deeply into it, maybe reading some things that aren't there, or I'm reading into space that I'm giving some personal ties to. But this one really made me think about love in a different way. I'm kind of a sucker for songs that turn a classic love song on its head and make you think about it in different ways. And that's what it sounded like to me. I think this track is is about uh, a couple, a, you know, presumably a, a man and a woman who have feelings for each other, who maybe are, are dating or have been over the years, but they're also still young, or at least one of them is, maybe maybe the man in this situation. And he's a rambling man. He's still out partying, staying up late, and, and maybe she's been there with him as well, hoping for a time that eventually he'll maybe settle down and, and choose her, or maybe they're both. Uh, roaming around being being kids and free but that there's that contrast between how you know first he says we're getting older but then he says my my baby used to sing all night and now she's sound asleep it's about what a woman can do to even a, a rambling man somebody who's out roaming around and wanting to explore the world and be free and do what he wants but but the right person make him kind of forget about all of that desire and longing for whatever has been life so far to to realize that maybe a simpler life settled down would be you know better than all of that if they could find true love that probably beats everything else yeah and i think maybe just the explicitness of the lyrics would indicate that for some reason i read the, into this one maybe that there was a balancing of comfort and passion in this relationship because there's something lost when there's something gained. She's settling down with this man who maybe gave her some excitement. The narrator is the rambling man and she's created this gentle side, but there's some of that passion or excitement that goes away. And this song made me think about trying to have both of those things in a long-term relationship. There's nostalgia in those lyrics about seizing the moment. Um, my favorite line is just fleeting time with little wings of gold. They remind us how we find true love in every sign of getting old. So this is a woman maybe that used to be up all night, but now she's sleeping peacefully next to this man. But the man that she fell in love with, some of the passion maybe goes away with that comfort and stability. Maybe I'm no good I have shouldered these lines long enough to know now that I should my baby used to sing all night now she's sound asleep she settled down with the rambling man found the gentle 
Mm, that's, that's an interesting take on the song. I hadn't really thought about that, but yeah, I suppose maybe she was initially drawn to the the rambling man, the wild and crazy guy who was keeping her up all night and, and showing her a good time and taking her places and, and creating this life that was full of, of twists and turns and, and excitement, maybe even though she longed for the day that they would be settled down and uh, committed to one another. You know, that was that was something that she envisioned. But now that it's come to fruition, we just uh, assume, you know, it's early in the night and she's already sound asleep. You know, she settled down with this rambling man and now he's become this gentle guy who maybe what she was looking for. But perhaps, um, you know, when she goes to bed early, she's dreaming about that wild man that she met and uh, the times that they had in the past. Yeah. And I don't know why that's where my brain went, you know, in my relationship with my wife, neither of us are ramblers, whatever that term might mean, but I'm definitely kind of a, more of a nine to five stable kind of predictable person in a lot of ways. And so I've always been attracted to people that have a little bit of that wild side. And one of my favorite songs that I think of when I think of my wife is Tom Petty's song, Wildflowers. And in fact, my wife was so touched by me telling her that that reminded me of her that she actually got a tattoo this year of a wildflower on her ankle. Oh, I didn't know that. Awesome. Yeah. At the same time as I got the, the tattoo that I got. Yeah. In fact, probably Sweet. something I wouldn't have done had I not been as influenced by her, not because I wouldn't have wanted to. I just probably wouldn't have been brave enough. And so it's one of the things that I think brings that out in me that I love about her. But, you know, now we are in this point where we've got a toddler and we've got twins along coming along here pretty soon. I don't know if I've mentioned that on a podcast yet. I'm just taken by how much I love the stability in our relationship and it brings me joy to see her doing things like watering the plants and taking care of Will and all the things that that stability brings. But I definitely fell in love with the girl that belongs among those wildflowers and mm. I think I need that woman in this house as well and, and I think so does Will and so will the twins. So just trying to find that balance between those things that's uh, something that stood out to me in this song. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I, yeah, I think maybe bending those lyrics a, a little bit, but um, for good reason. And, and, you know, that's what we're supposed to do with song. I, I think uh, a good songwriter, musician would hope that uh, somehow the words speak to us and maybe not exactly how, the, how they uh, were established, you know, by the artist or, or what, what their meaning was for it, but that the listener can can pull something special from that and I, I think that's cool that this song makes you uh think that and i think there's 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 definitely some merit to that too even even when we just look at the lyrics um moments just fleeting times with little wings of gold i think that's cool that you know they didn't just say that there's these these moments that are that are fleeting but they also have wings of gold so these these real special times in our life can drift away and you know, like that kind of symbolizes you know again the importance of cherishing the moment looking back to the, the last song and just knowing that times are short our, our life as a whole is short but then also different periods of our life so when you and you, your wife met before kids before marriage even when uh, you were out probably doing more fun and exciting things on the surface versus the, the requirement of being stable to prepare for children you know getting married focusing on the career, getting the house in line, getting everything in place so that when the kids come, you ha you have this good system for them to come into. So that almost uh, prevents you from doing all the other stuff. I mean, I, I think over time people figure out how to do both, but at least for this for this time in your life, it's kind of a forced break from, from some of those uh, 
events or, or times that might bring out that wildflower uh, in Malika, that, that side of her personality. I mean, it's, it's still there, obviously, but you know, she's been forced to take on a different role childbearer and, and mother and then dealing with everything that comes with that that you know the other stuff kind of has to be on hold for a while but like you said you, you got to find that balance and you know eventually get the best of both worlds i think you're right this song probably doesn't spell that out explicitly but madeline orange does a good job of leaving enough room for things like that and that's just happened to be where my mind was so that's where yeah, i thought of this one i like it uh, when i go back and listen I'll, I'll think of that now too i'm glad that touched you in a certain way Well, this next track, I think, also brings in a picture of what that word impermanence might mean. And this next track is called Little Worlds. But I'll miss the cold and the cool night air and the fire in our eyes. That world of shadows and twirling hair as fire. This is another sweet love song. I think this one may be a little bit more straightforward, I suppose, but they talk a little bit about the passage of time with waves over the mountaintops and how that might affect the rock slides and the clouds that are passing through. And then overarching commentary about how this world is going to change and things are going to throw us off our path. But in the end, what matters are the people that you love. He mentions even someday he won't even be around. I'll be somewhere looking down, kind of implying that he'll pass away at some point. Again, just trying to savor that moment. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that too. I had a, a comment in my notes here uh, about whether or not that, that was a reference to heaven and, and uh, being somewhere looking down. I'm glad you picked up on that as well, because that, that's kind of where my head was going thinking about that. But initially with that opening verse, watching the waves from the mountaintops and the rock slides through the clouds. I think about the times that I've summited a mountain and been six, seven, eight thousand feet or, or even more up, up in the sky and being able to look out over whatever is, is below and how small the world feels you know, physically. I mean, how, how uh, tiny everything looks, but then also, you know, how you feel somewhat small in the sense that you have this top-down view of the world and you can appreciate how magnificent things are and just how how the world changes and, and how someday you, you won't be there anymore. So you, you really have to appreciate things like the coast and the cool night air. And it goes a step further. And I think this is really good writing to say not only that you'll miss the coast and the cool night air, but also the fire in our eyes. Uh, I really like that contrast between missing something that's tangible, um, like a view uh, but also with things that are more personal or emotional, like the fire in someone else's eyes as they look at yours and the intimacy surrounding that moment, knowing that it's something really special and it won't last forever. Yeah, I like that contrast, like you said, between something that's um, more tangible and something that's intangible. I didn't really think of it that way. I did think about the line that said, and you alone shall be the world I never knew. And it m reminded me of the lyrics from the Isbell album that said, I think it's in Flagship, the song Flagship, where there's a couple sitting there and it says she's got nothing left to learn about his heart. And that reminded me of the opposite of that, of um, somebody that you 
really could never fully know, but that's a good thing. There's always a mystery about that person that they're always forever interesting. And even up to the day that you pass away, you feel like maybe you never fully understood them completely. And you could think of that as a bad thing, but I almost think of that as a positive in the context of the title, Little Worlds, like each relationship you have is a little world and human beings are complicated enough that you can't fully know somebody else, but that's what makes it kind of amazing that you get that opportunity to try to search for that. Just the world I never knew And the only one I see Yeah, there's almost a double meaning wrapped up in there. The person that he's trying to get to know is very complex and has multiple layers that could never fully be understood even over the course of an entire lifetime, but also that he's so interested in getting to know her that he couldn't imagine exploring everything that he would like to know about this person as well. So it kind of speaks highly of her and then also his desire to get to know her and, and how much he loves this person that's entered his life. Said I watched the waves from the mountain tops and the rock slides through the clouds Cause this old world is gonna shake someday and I'll be somewhere looking down We just covered three songs that have really universal elements of love and what we interpret as some family dynamic and generational themes of time. I think this next track stands out in a way certainly talks about time but it's a very specific scenario and hopefully one that isn't so personal to the writers here this is track four called rounder some folks are guided by the weight of their tongues but we all fall silent at the end of a gun now i'm just alone some old rounder yeah, I love that guitar opening to the song here. It's re really pleasant and kind of sets the mood for the song. It makes me feel like it's a, a blast into the past and we're in the heart of a, a downtown scene of a, a western town setting. Yeah, I could hear that. I asked you early on when you first finally let me open this album what your favorite tracks were, and I know this was one of them. You, you listed out a few. I, I know another one I think that's coming up, but... This was one of the first ones that you mentioned. So I went on a walk and listened to this song as one of the first ones outside of the context of the album as a full, just to think about that. And yeah, very specific lyrics of this one. It sounds like it's somebody on death row with the words that they're going to hang me, boy. So like you said, it puts it in a time that doesn't sound like it's the present. And... This does have similar themes of time in the sense that this sounds like it's the end of this person's life and really there's nothing left that he can do at this point except wait. Yeah, this has always been one of my favorite tracks by them. I'm not totally sure why. I think it has a combination to do with the, the sound of the music accompanying it and, and some, some good writing uh, in the lyrics. Even to start out verse one, you know, he says he's a lonesome old rounder never meant to hurt no one you know but some flames are hard to simmer you know that's a a clever way of, of describing a a complex idea that that he has these demons inside of him that he wasn't really quite able to tame and 
and that ended up controlling him to the to the point that he did things he probably didn't want to do. He didn't, didn't want to hurt anybody, but he wore his pride on his on his bad side. He really couldn't get away from that person who he had become, even if he could see that in the moment he didn't want to be that person. And you know, on the other hand, he kept you know a close uh, grip on his trigger, literally probably saying that he you know was ready to defend himself or uh, use violence if necessary, but then also maybe that he was just kind of always on edge eventually to the point where he's going to be hanged uh, the next day. I think this is uh, one of the only songs on this album uh, I read that is uh, not very personal. Uh, They said that uh, their own personal experiences find a way onto majority of of the songs on their albums, but every now and then they have a a friend or fictitious character or event or or some some element of life that captures them and inspires them uh, to write a song. And I think this is one of those classic uh, folk songs that's describing uh, an event that would have happened in old Western time that's uh, probably not um, specific to these people at all or or personal, but at the same time, like, like you brought up, it does encapsulate that idea of life being short reflecting on your life and uh, in this guy's case probably having some regrets when he knows it's all kind of coming to an end and you know wishing things could have been different you know even to saying a, a few last words one last meal a few last words and one last meal they're gonna hang me boys come morning yeah, it seemed to me like he couldn't really ever figure out the answers to why he was the way he was. You know, he didn't really have a explanation for what happened other than that's just what was following him. It seemed like to him he re- has regret, but also sort of accepting that there's some inevitability about it. Sounds like he's kind of saying, this is who I am. This is where it ended mm-hmm. up. Kind of makes sense, but I don't know what I could have done differently. It was his fate in a way. Right, it just seems like it's fate to him, and he, you know, he's not mm-hmm. happy about it. But at the same time, I don't know that he's got any answers that anybody else does. Whether hanging him on a tree is the right call or not, I, I think he's kind of, in a way, accepted it. It's, he's not really kicking and screaming on the way, on on this last these last moments. It seems like I liked how the chorus changes a little bit. He throws different words about what some folks are guided by. They do they do that a lot don't they where they, they change a few words here yeah and there. yeah so mm-hmm. he just makes you think about it in a little different way each time the chorus comes through so it, it says some folks are guided by the weight of their tongues some folks are guided by the light of the lord and some folks are guided by the love that they shared and he always follows that up with something about himself and um, so it, it seemed like again he's just searching for you know other people had these guiding forces in their life that maybe caused them to do right uh, some folks mm-hmm. it was the lord some folks it was love and some folks it was the weight of their tongues or or the the words that they would say and they would live by and and it seems like he was just accepting the fact that he didn't really have anything like that some folks are guided by some light of the lord well me i was blinded and i'll never afford my salvation yeah, you know, he said he says he was blinded and he'll never afford his salvation. So he he never saw the light, never had that guidance or somebody show him the way. Never never was inspired to do good or um, to go 
go down the, the straight and narrow. And by saying he'll never afford his salvation now, it's, it's almost like he's saying, you know, my, my sins are too great to be forgiven. I'll never be able to pay for them. And he's almost kind of accepting that this is the end and he's maybe not going to a, a, a good place. This is a song where we do hear Emily's vocals coming through on some of the harmonies that I think sounded really especially pretty on this song. They're gonna hang me, boys, come morning yeah, she always does a really great job harmonizing on these songs. And I read in an interview that she herself has said that that's her natural role. Uh, that, that's where she feels most comfortable. And Andrew is, is more of the, the singer-songwriter uh, type taking lead vocals so it works for them and Andrew writes all the songs so naturally it, it feels more comfortable or, or or personal for him to be singing since since they're his words but uh, they do play around with Emily singing lead on a lot of the songs because Andrew himself has said that he, he loves her voice and whenever she wants to sing lead they'll, they'll figure out a way so we typically see her singing lead on on a song or two and this next track is one of those where she does sing lead and I believe this is the only track on this album where she does and, and I'm glad they included this because her voice is, is beautiful as well. So with that said, let's move on to track five. This one is titled, From Now On. From now on is the only thing that matters anymore. It's the only thing that matters from now on. Yeah, I can't remember how many songs she sings lead on on that other album that you brought up for us in 2019 that tides of a teardrop but she's just got this one song on this album and man i was i was wishing she had more i, I actually really like her the sound of her voice and i also feel like to make it a complete album it almost stands out a little bit just to have the one song by her i think you really get a sense that they're husband and wife if you know the backstory and you're listening to them harmonize and you know that it's a sparse arrangement of just the two of them up there so i would have liked to hear her come out and sing lead a little bit more and i don't know there's something about her voice that i really like i was trying to remember who it reminded me of the only thing i could come up with and i don't think this is quite right but maybe a little bit of cat power it's okay. um kind of sultry but she's got a little bit more of a twang to it so Probably isn't a perfect comparison, but nonetheless, I I was just wishing I could have heard heard more of it on this album. Yeah, it's really it's really pleasant from the soft tones to even when she raises the volume a little bit to emphasize some other parts or hit some higher notes. It always has this soft feel to it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different. Uh, obviously, it almost sounds like a different, not so much a different genre, but it sounds like a totally different band when she takes lead versus Andrews melancholic traditional folk storytelling kind of voice you know really really laid back and hers i feel like can be a little bit more uplifting and and add some upbeat sounds to the album so i, I agree i think maybe a, a 70 30 split of them taking lead you know if they yeah. work that into a song and if if uh, emily participated more in some of the song construction and, and lyrics so that they felt as deep and personal to her when she's singing it as uh, the songs that Andrew writes uh, do for him. Uh, maybe that yeah. would be you know, a little different feel overall because I, I agree with you. It, it stands out when this is the only song, but that's also the case with the last uh, album that we covered with Arcade Fire where uh, yeah, Regine vocalist there, the Regine, yeah. yeah, she, you know, she yeah. has her one or two tracks that stand out too. And, and 
I think we agreed on that one too, that they're really good. And we kind of wanted more of it. Maybe it's just something right. about not getting much of it, you know, just a small sample. It's like we want, yeah. you know, maybe Emily will put out a, a album of her own sometime. That would be nice. And you mentioned that she's the, she's the violinist. Mm-hmm. That's shown on this song as well. So I think both yeah. of the things that she brings to it are, are present in this one. Well, and I, I think uh, she takes such a strong role in uh, being a multi-instrumentalist, playing the violin and guitar, that especially the violin, maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's difficult to play and sing. She'd be having to trade back and forth. I mean, your, your chin's right on it. So Right, yeah, that, that's what I was thinking. I remember watching them. Yeah, if this is consistent with the way they would do it live, I'll have to listen back, but I don't think the violin would be going at the same time as her vocals. So right. in the studio, they could pull that off. But I think if I recall oh, yeah, right, yeah. in my mind, this song, they're always trading back and forth. She's either singing or playing. But Yeah, that's a good call. They could here. layer yeah. tracks in the, in the studio. She could do the vocals and then the violin yeah. and piece it all together. But... I've watched a lot of their live performances on YouTube, and then I've, I've seen them uh, live a couple times as well. And and I mean, she really gets into it with the violin. Like her, her it's an entire body movement she's playing and she's swaying and hmm. and really feeling it. So that probably has something to do with her not singing quite as much either. Could be, yeah. This one, the mood of this one to me, and I was trying to unpack the lyrics. I feel like you could go a couple different ways with its meaning. I'm really curious to hear what it spoke to you like but it sounded to me like somebody that's chasing something or someone so my first thought in reading through them and listening to it was that it was maybe a couple that was eloping or maybe the family doesn't approve of the other person i I thought of it back to the kind of the wild west theme i imagined like a hatfield mccoy kind of situation or something like that and and her deciding she's going to pretty much just throw in all her chips on this one person when she sings you know there'll be no more looking back from now on it's kind of like her telling her family that this is what i'm doing you better get on board but i think maybe she's also talking to herself and maybe there's a little hesitation in her mind because she realizes that there's no going back you know her family's maybe not going to welcome her back if she decides to change her mind so she's going all in and maybe she's trying to convince herself as much as she is her family as she heads out the door with this song and then the other thing i thought is maybe it's not a person maybe it's a profession maybe it is talking about them chasing music as a life profession and having people say that that's not something that is worth putting all your chips in the words like playing with fire and chase that old flame of desire you could think of it romantically but also like a a passion that may be there's some risk involved with. Yeah, it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about that. You know, other, other lines surrounding what, what you brought up there, we, we were misfits in this game, living life with no sustain. What do you think they mean by that, that they were misfits? And what, what's the game? We were misfits in this game. Chase that old flame Both of those things could be like a couple that feels like it's us against the world, so to speak we're misfits nobody gets us we get each other or maybe they were oddballs yeah and they finally found each other and now now life makes sense you know the lonely or lonesome feeling in the past maybe talking about regret or missed opportunities allowing time to pass pursuing something that uh, really didn't fulfill your desires but now you finally decided to pursue your dreams maybe you're all in on music now and so there's no looking back i can see that part if we go back back to the relationship side of this it almost feels like this could be the sister song to track number two, 
settled down where we're getting the perspective of the rambler who's talking about his his baby who used to sing all night his partner now she's sound asleep settled down with the rambler implying that the the rambler the the guy in this situation was the one who was pushing the pace of the relationship and uh, being wild and reckless crazy what have you and that now they've settled down into a, a calmer version of life now that they're together maybe from now on is like maybe this is the prequel to that song yeah per- perhaps yeah yeah it, it yeah it could be a, a slight prequel to that song or maybe from the perspective of the the woman in this relationship that there's a a lonesome feeling concealed within their past because their their past was full of being reckless and crazy maybe he was chasing other women and she was kind of hanging on waiting for the day that they would settle down and so you know there there was maybe a long drawn out period of time for things to come to fruition but now that he has accepted her as his person and no longer playing the field or chasing his rambling man dreams so to speak uh, now there's no looking back and she's optimistic for the future and you know they they uh have discovered that they you know they want to be together now they don't want to live out on the road anymore uh just want to be right by your side so no longer living life with their rambling ways but uh moving forward settling down still the future holds my There'll be no more looking back From now on It's the only thing that matters The future holds my reasons, I think, stood out to me as words in this song, too, because she could defend the reason why she was leaving with this person. She would state it there in the present, but it sounds like she's almost saying, it'll make sense later, the future will explain why this was the right call i don't have the answers right now but i'm going i'm not looking back and you'll see the future holds the reason why this is the right thing to do yeah maybe some kind of turning point in the relationship it's not completely settled yet but there's hope that they're taking some kind of step in the right direction and that that vision for the future is what's going to allow her to stop looking back on the past with regret this was another one that I put a star next to that was one of my favorites. So it's interesting that you paired those two. I, I could definitely see them oh, having that's right. similar you, themes. Yeah, you starred number two as well. Right, yeah. So I don't know. I think I like both of them because they do leave a little bit of room for you to kind of interpret it different ways. But that's what it sounded like to me as somebody that's almost trying to convince the, the listener. I think you're supposed to read into it knowing that she doesn't fully have it figured out yet when she says... There's no looking back from now on. I, I hear a little tentativeness in there as much as she's decided this is definitely what she's going to do. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's a little bit of self-talk. Right, right. You know, telling herself to believe in the future that everything will be okay. Stop looking back. want to live out on the road Just want to be right by you Well, as you mentioned, that song is definitely up for interpretation. It's not explicitly spelled out in the lyrics exactly how we're supposed to take it. But this next song does have a backstory, and it's based on a folklore myth or urban legend surrounding the area they grew up. And it's another track that, similar to Rounder, 
stands out as a story or something, I guess not necessarily fictitious, but uh, a song about uh, a story that's not personal to them, but ties into the overall themes of the album. So made its way on there um, for that reason. Track six is titled Jump Mountain Blues. That's right. And this is also the halfway point of the record. And this time it was an actual record in my hands. Thanks to you, Shane. So we will flip it over now and start side two. As you said, Jump Mountain Blues. Every little thought of you, small reminder of my regrets. If only you'd know true happiness. All right, well, I'm curious to hear that story. I did as much reading as I could about this song, and I have my own little interpretation and impression from reading the lyrics, but I didn't know there was anything real specific about this one, so... You're gonna to have to fill me in. What's what's the backstory on this song? Yeah, for sure. I, I I wasn't able to find as much on this album either. I think probably because they're not quite as popular as some of the other bands that we've covered in the past. And I had to search around for a while and and find some interviews that that occurred in 2015 and 16 following this album for for them to discuss a few of the songs. So I was able to pull something up on this one. So I I found this in an interview with. Uh, pop matters the interviewer said i wanted to ask you about the song jump mountain blues Uh, that's a tragic song was it based on anything personal and andrew marlin came back by saying uh, that one the the place i grew up home to called jump mountain it's it's just outside of lexington virginia there's some old folklore surrounding that mountain so the legend goes, and I'll, I'll give you the Cliff Notes version here. He says, this young Native American girl was in love with this one guy, and her father wanted her to marry this other guy, the rich guy. So they had a race up the mountain to see who would catch her, and whoever caught her would win. So instead of allowing herself to be caught, she ends up beating the both of them to the top of the mountain, and she jumps off the mountain. So the whole moral behind the song is that her ghost rises up every night and makes that same run. So the song is basically her dad reflecting, watching his daughter's ghost rise up and run up this mountain day after day. Oh, wow. So the lyrics are from the point of view of the father. Thinking of the small reminder, now all I see is you upon the mountain yeah so it starts out every little thing you do is a small reminder now all i see is you upon the mountain peak falling down on me and i imagine this is a kind of a folklore not a real story of somebody who passed is that true well i don't know we'd have we'd have to dig into that i mean yeah, so, yeah. you know some of these folklores from the time when native americans were running around and the wild wild west era probably probably doesn't uh have great documentation of, of historical events. So in a way, a lot of it is is story that's been passed on from one time to another. To another. But a lot of mountains and uh, different geographical features are named after somebody similar to this or an event or, or some some something that uh, was told through the years. So you know whether or not it's completely literal or not, who knows? But well, my interpretation was you know wrapped up in there. I mean, it was just 
incomplete and couldn't be that specific, of course. I certainly thought of it as somebody that jumped. I guess I assumed suicide or thought it could have been that. And I did have a little note written here, is Jump Mountain an actual place or just a description? You know, I, they were using really specific locations like Rock Ridge County and Shenandoah. So I, I did think that it probably had a story, but that's about as far as I got. And I, I took it as the narrator blaming himself. And I suppose that's possibly true of the father that maybe, maybe, did you say that that was the father's idea to have these two men chase her? Well, I don't know about that part. It, it didn't uh, specifically say that in this interview. I, I don't believe. Okay, maybe I. Uh, but made but that basically, up, yeah. she she was in love with one guy or wanted to marry one guy, and you know he must not have been rich or the the guy that her dad wanted her to marry. So her dad was kind of pushing her to marry this other guy. So I don't know how it got decided that they were going to have a race to see who could catch her. But I think the moral of the story is that the the father pushed her to to do something that she didn't really want to do and and she got overwhelmed by the whole situation and instead of leaving it to the fate of the the race and which which guy would get up the mountain fastest to uh, be able to to take her you know if if she didn't want to be with the rich guy there was a 50 50 chance she'd end up with somebody she didn't want to be with so instead of taking that chance you know she got pushed to the point of jumping off and taking fate into her own hands and so the father probably feels guilty that he's responsible for getting her to that place emotionally to do that. Yeah, and then the ghost part that you talked about answers a question that I had written in my notes here too of every little thing you do implies somebody that's still with us, but the rest of the lyrics make it sound like somebody that's gone. So that was a point of confusion for me until you talked about that, him reliving and seeing that despite the fact you know, she's she's there and she's gone, I suppose, if it's a ghost. So, Well, you did better than I, I did before reading the the backstory because I was kind of confused. That was actually another fun thing about, I think I mentioned at the beginning that I listened to this album mostly on the airplane. And when I'm on BART, I try not to cheat, but a lot of times when I'm listening and making notes, I'll really want to know what something means and I'll try to look it up. Or even if it's like a word that I don't know the meaning to, I I decide, okay, I'm going to look this up now just to try to help myself along in my interpretation. And I had nothing because I had no internet. I just downloaded the album onto my phone and then I was just using the notes app on my phone. So that was another fun thing about this one is I, it really forced me to sit there and come up with some sort of explanation by myself without digging. And so I think that's part of partially why I was able to at least get somewhere on this one. Yeah. This was one, if you didn't have that backstory, you really had to look hard to find a deeper meaning to the words. After reading it, one, one of the lines that stood out to me was looking out over all of Shenandoah, the rocks below can never understand little darling all they stole from me. Ultimately, if she jumped off the mountain and and fell to the rocks, then they were responsible for ending her life, I suppose. And every time the father looks at those rocks, thinks about how they could never understand everything that he lost when when she fell to them. All they stole from me. Yeah, I mean, he just, he lives there, so he can't get away from the fact that, that's, that's why sometimes people have to move if they lose a loved one, mm-hmm. 
through a house. It's like every every time they walk by a particular place, they think of the, the memories are too strong. And if if it's something like that, where you live by this mountain, you'd see that every time. It'd be hard not to think mm-hmm. about it. And I, I do want to say musically, I really like the outro where it's not a refrain or, or an echo, but Emily is in the background singing different uh, words. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. Andrew's saying round and round we go, mountain high and valley low, and then, and then she has some lines in the back and how they go back and forth on that and switch some of the words. It's really cool musically. We've talked a lot about how time is such a crucial element to this album in different ways, and probably this next song is the most obvious version of that with metaphor for time, and this song is called The Wrecking Ball. Every year rolls on like a runaway train Every beast grows stronger as a pendulum swings to and fro And on she goes, that wrecking this song, I had asked you again, I had said, what are your favorite songs? And, and you mentioned the Rambler. And then this was another one that you had said was one of your favorites. And as I was listening to this album, I went through and put a little star next to my favorite songs. And this one has both the star and the little parentheses, one of Shane's favorites. So of all of these songs, this is the one that we both overlapped on. May not be my very favorite, but this is one of my favorites. And, and this is a great song on this album. Oh, that's great. I'm I'm glad it made the list, at least if you're your top three or four from this album, because this is by far my favorite song on the album. Okay. And it, it's probably the reason I chose this album over all of, of the others that I could have chosen. But as I was flipping through their discography when I was making this pick, which was over a year ago now, because as you know, I was I was putting that gift together to, oh, yeah, to send right. you the... Uh, three next old picks so that was the first part of the gift i don't think you mentioned earlier but there was also an album divers t-shirt uh, that fit will that i had to go to some some lengths uh, uh to figure out how to how to obtain and and uh there was a book for will and and, and uh, some other gifts and some notes and things that i wanted to complete the package before sending it out to you but first step was going through the list of all of the old albums that I wanted to do at some point in the future. And well, at first I had to narrow it down to the ones that I could get my hands on for a, a reasonable price because, I mean, as you know, some some vinyl records out there are, are, are a pretty penny and almost impossible to, to find. So that narrowed my, my picking a little bit. That wasn't the case for Mandolin Orange. I could have purchased any of their records on vinyl for, for a decent price. But uh, a year ago when I was really getting into this band and maybe even longer ago than that this is a song that every time it came on it seemed to strike lots of chords with me lots of emotions i mean there's so many ways that i can view this this song that makes it personal you know it's one that that always kind of touches me and so although there were there were so many albums i could have chosen i kind of like pushed myself to pick this one and and uh decided to listen through and thought you know it's it's probably as good as blind faller and 
Tides of a Teardrop and this set of Jordan, but I'm going to pick it because of this particular song. So I'm glad it stood out to you as well. I'm curious to hear, um, you know, why it stood out to you and your, your take on it before I get into some of, you know, my thoughts. I just thought the metaphor was cool at talking about time and, and to say it outright, I think a wrecking ball is like a pendulum on a clock is I think the visual that you're supposed to get with this one. Yeah. And um, so that right away it's swinging like a, a pendulum but it, it has a lot more of a destructive connotation of course than just a pendulum on a clock so sets the mood already for the way he's describing time just kind of coming through and destroying things to a certain extent um, and then just the way that he goes on to unpack that metaphor and i think it has some of the best writing on the album my favorite quote is the, every man bears a burden, his mm, own beast by it. the horns that he hides from the world when he's young and strong, mm-hmm. looking over his shoulders, half tethered and torn, still standing tall. Every year rolls on like a runaway train. Every beast grows stronger as the pendulum swings to and fro. And on she goes, that wrecking ball. But every man bears a burden, his own beast by the horns that he hides from the world when he's young and strong. Looking over his shoulders, half tethered and torn, still standing tall. I just thought that was really cool imagery. You know, the beast by the horn, um, this thing that we feel like we're trying to do, or what we're trying to accomplish when we're young and strong, and you know, the, the battles that we are engaged in in our youth and throughout our life, in the context of time, knowing that it's all it all has an end, seem a little bit like a distraction that maybe takes us away from what really matters you know that beast by the horn is something that we're never really going to be able to fully control yeah very well said i mean that that whole section you read there stands out to me as well and i think maybe i i interpret it slightly differently uh with that first part about bearing a burden his own own beast by the horns that he hides from the world when he's young and strong I, i think about somebody trying to be that rock and stand tall despite any adversity that life may throw at you and knowing deep down that maybe you're not quite as strong as you want to be but feeling like in a sense you have to pretend that you don't have any flaws and you you don't want to show signs of weakness or emotions and you have to hide that inner beast or or some struggles that maybe you might have you know but every every year rolls on and as you continue to suppress some of some of those inner feelings uh that beast grows stronger and the pendulum keeps swinging back and forth and it gets closer so you know if you're hiding it from the world whether it's this inner anger or frustration or whoever you're trying to be it it feels like if you if you try too much or you don't uh, fully embrace everything that comes with that including that that vulnerability and showing some some weakness and emotion, then that beast just keeps getting bigger and bigger. You know, that's preceded with the opening line, which is also the chorus, which I think is kind of cool for a song to start with the chorus. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, which, yeah, that's it's kind of unique. But I've taken to leaning these past few days a little too heavy on my walking cane. Taken to leaning these past few days a little too heavy on my walking cane Cause I'm afraid Swinging my way, that wrecking Like just the way he says that line, there's so much emotion wrapped up in that. Like it really feels like the weight of the world is starting to surmount to this point that you need some type of assistive device to help you get by. 
Like I, I think about that as a metaphor, as something that can prevent you from having a fall that you're kind of starting to feel a little wobbly. Uh, there's this wrecking ball that's sneaking up on you. And that could be a metaphor for anything in life that, you know, could be a threat. And so you, you grab this cane because you feel kind of vulnerable, you know, because you know that wrecking ball is coming your way. So whether it be a physical cane or if that means you're leaning on a, on a friend or uh, anything, you can't do it on your own, basically. And that, that kind of sets us up for the second half of the song. Well, sure. And then, of course, in the literal sense, leaning on that walking cane, that's a very clear depiction of the passage of time. You know, it's somebody aging. Right. Just kind of noticing, yeah. you know, maybe as somebody gets older, they first picked up the cane for a little extra help. And then another decade goes by or several years or whatever. And they realize, you know, I'm, I'm leaning a little harder on this thing than when I first picked it up. I first I thought it was mm -hmm. kind of just a crutch that I didn't really need. But, you know, just to be safe, I'll have it. And before you know it, you're kind of it's kind of an essential element of you getting out of bed. And um, so just mm -hmm. making him think about that passage of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you, and you hit on another part of this this song that uh always kind of kind of gets me because i think about uh in my folks getting older especially my dad he's had some physical issues some health problems some some back injuries and he's had a couple hips replaced and the past few years uh, up until the point that he got his knee replaced he was really having a, a lot of issues with his knee and being back and forth between uh working being out on the road and then coming back home a certain amount of time passes and I maybe hadn't uh, seen him walking in a while and not that he was ever really walking with a, a cane but definitely walking with more of a limp and kind of favoring that leg and so when I hear this song I, I think about it from a, a literal sense of needing a walking cane or a stick or something to to help um, support that knee but then also you know think about that being a, a symbol of aging and and time being fragile and not having a whole lot of time left. So that, that always kind of makes me you know, just, just think about the fact that the, the days are numbered and over time, you know, you have to lean on that cane a little bit more. And, uh, that's a, a symbol of, you know, life, life getting a little bit more challenging and knowing that someday, you know, that, that you know, there won't be, uh, that opportunity to, to spend time with them anymore. So this song kind of makes me think about, now, wanting to cherish the times and appreciate that the you know the health is still there pretty good for the most part enough enough to enjoy it but you know that uh you never know how long it's going to be before it's not and that that wrecking ball that pendulum keeps swinging to and fro and you know you don't really know how close it's getting until it's there yeah the sister song to this might be that little world's one because i think both you know in all of these songs that are um applicable to just about anybody that talk about time we mentioned you know a couple of these songs that are a bit more specific like the rounder song and the jump mountain blues and then there's one coming up next that's a little more specific but the other ones are more broadly applied and i think even though a lot of them have time and the passage of time wrapped up and there's a bit of a melancholy part to that you know, this one may be the most so in some ways but they never let you fully get to down with that because they do bring back into what really matters in little worlds they talk about how you alone are the one that really matters and at the end of this song despite some impending doom i suppose with this pendulum swinging it last verse is all about seeing a bright-eyed girl and this person 
sheltering him from this wrecking ball. So just the relationships you have helping you pass time in a way that doesn't feel like it's coming crashing down. You know, if you got to spend it somehow anyway, having somebody to be with changes your perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison to that earlier track. And then in verse two here, it says, I've just seen that rock of ages. I've just held my Savior's hand. You know, so this wrecking ball is getting closer and closer. Then he, he either meets the the equalizer to it, or, or maybe he's already with this person. He finally realizes that this lady is his Savior, and uh, she won't let him fall. You know, she'll look after him. Later, it says if every bright-eyed girl could be more like you, you know, wouldn't time seem so kindly? You, know, you shelter me from that wrecking ball. That rock of ages, I've just held my Savior's hand. We danced on the water with my head on her shoulder. She swore to never let me fall. And wouldn't time seem so kindly if every bright eyed girl could be more like you and shelter me from that wrecking? everybody needs that person they can lean on and shelter them from some of the the challenges and trials and tribulations of life it doesn't seem as uh, fearful or threatening if you have somebody there with you uh, to help you out you know not not to get too much into but if but if we think about the the entire aging process and lifespan and uh, inevitably ending with death um, you know that that's a scary thing especially if you're alone but if you have somebody there with you who's been there with you, somebody stable, you know, you can uh, come to terms with it a li- little easier, I think. I think that's well said. Do you want to try and transition out of this one? It's a, it's a tough <laughs> I don't know how one. we transition to this next track. It's um, an- another one that is kind of a uh, standalone track on, on the album. I, I did read in, a, in an interview that they weren't even sure about writing uh, the song or, or recording it. Inevitably did, and you know, sometimes you can be feeling sorry for yourself or thinking about something that in in comparison to something you know bigger it's you know it's like nothing at all and um oh that that's the the essence of uh, what what led to this song so track eight is titled blue ruin and of all those on their way could the miracle have made one lay his guns down So I'm back on the flight to Las Vegas listening to this album. And when I get to this one, this is one of the ones where I did have to go back once I had internet and do some reading because I couldn't quite piece together exactly what it was without looking it up. But I could tell for sure that this must have been about something very specific um, because it talks about 27 fell 11 days before Christmas. I, I just got the impression that there was some specifics involved and I didn't know until today you were texting me about the specifics that led to him writing what um, inspired him to decide to write a song about this event. But the event, of course, is the Sandy Hook tragedy. Um, So this song is about the 27 children that were killed by the gunman that was just 11 days before Christmas of what year was that? 2012, I think. 
12 I say, yeah. yeah so, so a few years before this album was released yeah yeah so i mean heavy heavy content obviously um and once i read about that exactly it was very clear the way those lyrics laid in and and um how this all related to it but again i didn't know until today of where andrew was mentally when he put pen to paper for this one so maybe you can tell the listeners about that this is this is a track that i don't think i knew uh before listening to this album from start to finish because it's it's not one that i came across when listening to this this band on shuffle or going through youtube and and watching some some live performances i I don't remember this ever coming up and if if it did i i probably didn't uh, pick up on some of the details or or hear the mention of of the word newtown otherwise uh, i probably would have dug into it a little bit more so as much as i feel like i know this band's work fairly well from top to bottom this is one that uh, really caught me off guard I i was not expecting this when preparing for this podcast to to come upon a song about this tragedy and i i wasn't really uh, prepared to speak about it because you know it's just something that's uh, difficult to talk about and you know i was i was going through doing some research and i came upon an interview where they they basically said that exactly that when, when things like this happen it's it's really difficult to talk about them and to have a conversation uh and, and so you know whether it's a tragedy like this or or anything in life that you really can't explain that there's there's not like a way to have a a conversation that ends in some sort of understanding or uh you know like uh an explanation like there's no way to tie this up with a bow yeah right yeah like yeah exactly you can't have this conversation and figure it out and then say oh okay yeah this that or or whatever so so they were they were saying that often when that's the case you reflect on it and and you write a song because um, sometimes you can get things across in song that you know, maybe maybe you couldn't uh, talk about in conversation, and that's ultimately why they decided to write about this. You know, why Andrew was inspired. So, the backstory, which we we hear in the lyrics as well. You know, it starts out. It says, "One morning after drinking, heavy on my mind." One morning after drinking, heavy in the night. So the, the night before uh, this happened, Andrew, Emily, and I imagine some other friends were out with their roommate at the time uh, for uh, her 30th birthday party. So, and I saw an interview, Emily said they threw down and, you know, went a little hard that night, stayed up too late, and they woke up feeling terrible the next day, you know, hung over, you know, not wanting to get up, not feeling motivated or energetic to, to go do anything and just, you know, kind of feeling sorry for themselves. And... You know, Emily said she you know, was laying there in bed and grabbed her phone, pulled up Twitter, and you know, that's the first thing she saw. She heard about uh, the shooting and, you know, went out into the living room and everybody else was kind of laid out feeling sorry for themselves as well, you know, from, from the night of indulging a little bit too much. You know, I'll just, I'll read what uh, Andrew said in the same interview. It was an interview with both of them. I, I was going to paraphrase, but I'll just read what Andrew Marlin said about, about the event. He, he said it's... It's it's not the sentiment of no matter how shitty we feel right now, tomorrow we won't be hung over anymore, but like these kids still won't be here. You know, like the heaviest moment uh, that we've ever faced. 
in our lives doesn't doesn't even come close to how heavy that realization must be for the parents and everyone involved. That song just kind of came out of that suffering, and it is what it is. That rude awakening of like feeling sorry for yourself and and uh, as if you know you went through something terrible, feeling like shit the day after drinking too much, but then to hear of a tragedy that's permanent to know that you'll recover from uh, your temporary feeling of guilt or illness or, or whatever from partying too hard the night before, but you know, this, this will last forever. And so it's just kind of like a, a gut check moment where the contrasting events obviously hit them and or they just decided to reflect on it and write, write a song. And like I said earlier, they, they debated whether or not to even record it, but ultimately, you know, came to the decision that they would record it. They had, they had planned on not, uh, ever doing it live. And maybe, I don't know, for, for, the, for their own sake or for like the weight of the whole situation to grieve that situation or, or uh, express themselves and their feelings about the whole situation through song, but maybe that they didn't really have to perform it. But then they said they ended up uh, performing it at every show that next tour, and it was received really well. They said even in, even in the communities where um, people are pro-guns and, and a little bit more conservative, they, they weren't sure how that last line would be received uh, where, where they say, you know, this Christmas, our only wish is to put those guns away or you know, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. But Put these guns down. Yeah, right? yeah, but he, he said everybody everybody received it really well and, you know, um, they were kind of in, in agreement that, that it's not really a, a, a political statement, but simply that we can't let violence be the answer. Well, this Christmas my Put these guns away Yeah, it certainly seems like it's kind of an anti-gun song in a lot of ways, but it also has that line about what can be done, maybe that he doesn't really know the answer. I, I like the thought of what if Christmas had just come a few days before. Would that have been enough for this person to decide not to do this terrible thing. You know, could, it, could that type of miracle have saved these kids, you know? Jesus had been born Just 11 days before Would the world have stopped to see At least those on the street Headed for a new town I think the line that really got me was what, what came after that, that trigger stole his mind. How am I to blame? I bet you never even aimed at one. You think he's saying the shooter had lost his mind and he was you know, detached with reality and probably never even looked the kids in the eye? Because, you know, had he done that, maybe then, like, somehow he would have realized, hey, what I'm doing is wrong, that maybe he just kind of went in there blindly shooting and didn't even really give himself a chance to fathom the nature of what what he was doing i mean i took that as kind of another anti-gun thing about basically saying like he was able to collect all of these firearms and he probably never even had a history of doing anything with a gun before that oh okay he probably never even never even aimed one before and all of a sudden he's able to collect all these guns and go on this killing spree yeah 
almost feel like there's there's some hidden meaning in that line too about mental health and uh you know like the connection to guns like you said being able to obtain them and then like perfect recipe for disaster somebody who's mentally ill and has these feelings and, and doesn't really know what to do about it and then they obtain guns and have that power and then go on this rampage yeah it's, i mean it's very multifaceted and i think you know despite the fact that it seems like that was a big part of uh the song about talking about guns put them away and it also does seem like he'd is kind of throwing his hands up saying what what could be done I, you know, I don't know how to fix this i just wish that this wasn't the way it is mm-hmm. i i guess i forgot that it happened so close to christmas but uh, I, me too yeah i had to go back and look that up i i do remember this stood out amongst all the other mass shootings i think it was the first time that children were the victims Th- that young anyway right, yeah, yeah depending on how you define them they're usually high school you know, young adults. Right, yeah. Or little, or, little kids. You know, teenagers, yeah, anyway. They're, yeah, they're young, to just defensive. Helpless, young kids, vulnerable yeah. Yeah. Um, people that we're supposed to protect and nurture to be helpless in that situation. Yeah. I think this shooting in particular did something more to the, the general public, whether it was somebody who already felt strongly about this issue, um, being empowered more to speak up, or, or somebody else maybe who w- wouldn't have really talked about. Uh, gun control or, or, or protection of making sure they don't end up in the hands of, of the wrong people uh, started to speak out because I I think, you know, the, the photos of all the little kids, um, you know, so many of them, it's just something about kids that's even more powerful. It's like a whole nother element. These, you know, people that haven't even started their lives and don't even have the ability to, to run away or you know, even understand the magnitude of what's happening. Just Just be completely... Know, caught off guard and helpless in in a school of all places i mean that's it's become too common of a thing but in an elementary school that's supposed to be safe and and nurturing and positive full of joy and and, and all these good things and then for that to happen it's like i don't know how you can be human and not like be moved by that situation but then yeah, the the proximity to christmas i hadn't thought about that but another line that stands out in the song and and worst of all, come Christmas morning, uh, they'll still be gone. And why, worst of all, come Christmas morning, they'll still be gone. Think about the families grieving, dealing with that through the holidays, a time when we get together with family whether whether you celebrate christmas for the, the religious holiday or or it's simply a time to get together for everybody i mean it's it's a happy time for all people regardless of your religious views or you know what christmas means to you it's it's a gathering of family and a, and a sharing of you know togetherness and so for them to be going through that over the holidays like i, I can't even imagine i don't know about you but 11 days before christmas i got stockings on the mantle and gifts under a tree you know for somebody that may not yeah be there 11 days later and Gosh. what do you you know just imagining yeah. what you do in that situation i mean that that's the least of everything they had to go through but it puts a very real imagery in your mind of somebody having to take that down or or leave it up i mean you know either way it's just uh yeah it's it's tragic mm-hmm. and i think that's why this one really does stand out amongst even all the tragic shootings that have happened and, and I'm, I'm glad even though they 
you know, Andrew uh, and Emily uh, wrestled with whether or not to even record this song and kind of what what to do with it. I'm glad they did. You know, it's not it's not easy to to hear it and put yourself back in that situation and revisit that event. But you know, there, there's something powerful that music can do to a situation that maybe a conversation cannot or a news story cannot. And I, I don't know if anybody else has written a song about this tragedy, but this is definitely one that, you know, you can, can, can listen to and it, you know, brings up a lot of thoughts and it uh, connects you back to that time and, and allows you to not forget, you know, and, and leads to this discussion we're having. So I, th- I think there's, there's a lot of power in song and, and I'm glad they didn't decide to, you know, put that away. You can't ignore it. So if this was helpful for him to process it or for other people hearing it, you know, I think it's necessary for something like this to exist in the world, but heavy song, no question mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. And, you know, that was uh, something else uh, that I read. I don't know if it was in the same interview or, or uh, another one, but they chose to put this next track on here because after Blue Ruin, they needed to transition to something a little more uplifting. So from here, we'll transition into track nine. I think this is maybe the most popular song on this album. It's titled Daylight. My heart was reaching So tangled and twined Like pines in the willow Serpentine killer Bound by its climb But glory was calling She wailed and she whined Higher and higher, leave it all behind. And darling, you came to me in the glory I'd long to find. We hear those violins again. That's Emily's forte, and I think they shine on this one. I didn't know this was maybe one of the more popular ones, but now that you say that, I can hear this being a little bit more of a catchy sounding song, and it is nice to hear a little bit after the weight of the prior song and i guess this song is kind of about new beginnings which is nice to think about after something as heavy as the last song and it starts out that way it says daylight has spoken so clear and so plain so just about the start of a new day essentially being a reminder maybe of something that he's lost daylight has spoken so clear and so I'm the keeper of nothing But an old flame Consuming the shadow Caught in the light Blinded by hunger And fed to the night I'm not really sure I, I can can dissect all the all the lyrics of of that first verse there, but I, I do know the feeling it, it evokes, and that's uh, somebody kind of reflecting on their life or the past, and not maybe really feeling like they're worth much, consumed by the shadows, caught in the light, blinded by hunger, and fed to the night. You know, it's it's great writing. Again, I I, I don't know exactly uh, what that means, but I, I get a feeling of 
of sorrow um, to some degree until, you know. Well, I'm thinking maybe that has to do it now that I read it again. He says, I'm a keeper of nothing but an old flame. So yeah, it's like maybe it's somebody for, that. Uh, like, yeah, somebody from his past. Yeah, yeah, like it's somebody that's really stuck on an old relationship, mm-hmm. and then this person came. Yeah, thinking about you know, he was all consumed the by the shadows and blinded by hunger, fed the night, basically just like the shadow left maybe out being cold. This, this person that had walked away. Yeah, you know, doesn't. Yeah, really see and her then anymore. she came like a dream in this endless blight. So like somebody new came into his life, snapped him out of it. Right, right. Darling, you came to me like a dream in this yeah yeah that makes sense yeah i think when it gets into the pre-chorus i understand a little bit more uh with that that term uh blight you know meaning uh a pathogen that infects uh, plant life so the speaker compares this sadness to a, a disease uh for which the the new love that enters into his life is in a sense the cure yeah, this is another one where I mentioned that they sometimes change the lyrics from verse to vor- verse. And mm-hmm. so you mentioned that line about endless blight. He talks about, you came to me in the glory I'd long to find. You came to me like a beacon leading me home. Came to me like a dream in this endless plight. At one point, I think he re- refers to her as a midnight flare. So kind of a, a evoking imagery of somebody being rescued. So I like that. I, it's another example of how they change the words to fit each verse. But they all say a similar thing. And darling, you came to me like a midnight flare. This is another one that I had written was one of your favorites as well. I think that's mainly because of the upbeat feel to it and the writing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good. If you don't even know the, the song to accompany this, if you just present this poem essentially mm-hmm. to somebody to critique they'd say wow that's very good uh use of imagery and, and metaphors good vocabulary rhyming and, and the like it's pretty good stuff for sure this this song also ties into a couple of those earlier tracks that that we said uh tied together about the need for a, a partner in life to share something more than a than a short term fling or, or something superficial but to have somebody there with you to the end that really knows you simply stated the, the value of of somebody in your life who cares about you as much as you care about them and, and yourself and that together you're stronger and, and able to, to conquer more and, and also that uh, you don't let your mind wander quite as much or feel down about yourself or, or worried and I guess uh, that wrecking ball has that that theme to it as well but a lot of these tracks are about love and finding love and and uh being true to somebody and kind of riding out the storm together from from life on the road to settling down and growing old together um that there's a lot of value in having that special person to spend your your short time with on this earth i think that's the theme if if time is the overarching theme i think if you dig a little one layer deeper to that it seems like the theme is connection and right. you can't really have one without the other. Yeah, like that's kind of the best use of your time. Right, it's the best use of, of your time. So I, that's, I think, the main theme that comes to this. And there's just different ways of looking at that, little different little windows into how that relates to our lives. And um, yeah, this is, a, this is a beautiful song. I think, again, this is one of my favorites as well. And I think you had said it was one of yours. It's one that you'll, you'll find if you start listening to Mandolin Orange on, on Spotify and, and you go through some of their top tracks or 
let it roll and let it let it give you a variety of, of songs uh, sampling from their catalog this this one will come up pretty quickly and it's one that they they, they do live on their sets quite a bit as well it's kind of a, a nice break in the action from some of their more sad or personal songs this this one feels more uplifting and so it's a nice way to give you some reprieve from from some of the other feelings that the other songs evoke darling you came to me like a bee leading me home We've made it to the end of the album. We have. We top off such jubilee with a song with those words in the title. The name of track 10 is Of Which There Is No Like. I'll know I'm home at last And these thoughts no longer call me Away from the arms of my darling before we get into this last track specifically I wanted to share something else from that that interview with with pop matters that I came upon uh, earlier as it relates to the album as, as a whole, but I, I decided to, to place it here uh, near the end of this podcast as we wrap up because this last track, as you mentioned, does have the title of the album in the lyrics, that's Jubilee. And the interviewer said, going, going back to the idea of your songs being uh, so melancholic, why is the album called Such Jubilee? I know the line appears in the last track and Emily responded first saying, well, I think on some level it's maybe a little bit funny to us because we know our music is so melancholy, but relatively speaking, this record is less so than the other ones. And so I think that's why we're like, oh, this is for us a happy record. And then Andrew came back and said, you know, even though the songs are not exactly like shouting at you, they're still lyrically kind of a celebration of home. Uh, those feelings that we get when we come off the road and we're glad to be back home for a little bit. I think those feelings are interlaced through the record. And that's kind of where the such jubilee comes in. It's, it's more just an idea, I guess. And Emily concluded by saying, I, I think our songs have a sad sound to them no matter what we do. But I think that so many of our records in the past have been about heartbreak and emotional agony or death and dealing with loss and grieving. Even if a lot of the songs have kind of a sad sound, to us, this record is a lot more about appreciation of things um, as opposed to grieving them. I think that's really well said. I'm so glad you pulled that quote out because I think if you listen to this album without diving in, so that's one of the fun things about what we get to do here, I think on first listen without diving in, I think I liked Tides of a Teardrop better when you first introduced me to this band. And I don't know uh, if I would have delved into those lyrics, maybe it would win out again. But when you take the whole picture, the music and the words together, there's a lot more to this once you dig deeper. 
I, I would agree. I think this is a happy album, despite songs like Blue Ruin and Wrecking Ball and things like that. Once you see that overarching theme to this, they always take that moment, even in the most despairing parts of these songs, to kind of tie it back into sort of what really matters. It never gets you too low. I think that that's very well said. And then this last song, similar. I, I think this is probably my song where I wasn't completely sure what this one is about. So I wonder if you might be able to help me out, but I did think it was beautiful. And I'm glad that they ended with what really feels more like a, a duet between those two. I mentioned, I wish there was a little bit more Emily on this album, but I'm glad that this one features both of them pretty clearly since it's an album that you can feel both of them in. Beautiful track. You might have to help me out a little bit on the meaning. Did this one speak to you at all? I don't know if it really spoke to me at first when I went, went through it. Cause I, I remember and th- this is not a, a, a track that I knew very well from their discography either before going through this album. But I remember you were getting into this a little bit more in prep for the podcast. And you said, hey, I think I'm I'm getting the gist of most of these songs, but there's this last track. I have no idea what it's about. I'm still trying to figure out. Oh, I forgot I had texted lines. to you. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I was looking at this one more inquisitively thinking, well, maybe I can figure it out and and, and shed some light on it or add something uh, since this was one that you were racking your brain on and going through it the first time or two I don't I don't think I really picked up on too much and I still don't know if I could tell you what all the the lines of the song mean but I think what I got from it and maybe maybe this is bending the lyrics a little bit you know of which there is no like I think he's talking about home and, and the comfort of the familiarity of uh, the the place that that you know and, and the people um, that help take your troubles away. You know, he, he says uh, to open the song, every night's just like the last and those summer rains keep falling. I think sort of depicting the gloom those of life, maybe being on the road, feeling uh, lonesome, longing for being home. I'll know I'm home at last. I'll know I'm home at last when these thoughts no longer call me. So when, when he's finally in a comfortable place where his mind's not wandering and there's not time to think and, and feel bad then he'll know he's back where he needs to be and I, th- I think that place is home in a in a literal sense but then the song starts talking about his lover his darling again of which there is no like and so I, I think he's saying being away from his lady is saddening to him whether that's out on the road or out to sea um, I, I think some of the lines are difficult to dissect because uh, grammatically or, or from a, like an order of rules in English, you know, like you read out to see such jubilee, you know, that doesn't really uh, add up, at least my interpretation of the song, because I think of out to see as the place where he doesn't feel that jubilee, or maybe he's longing for that feeling, but out to see is where he's feeling alone and away from his darling, uh, where the rain keeps falling and, and things are kind of gloomy. The such jubilee part is being back home and being with his woman. And and so I think home kind of has a double meaning. I'll, I'll know I'm home at last when these thoughts no longer call me. Physically being back home off the road or or uh, back from being out on sea. But then also his his partner metaphorically representing home. You know, he, he doesn't uh, feel lost at sea anymore. You know, he's, he's more comfortable and... and has that security of being with the one who he loves and who loves him when she holds him in her arms you know out of the dark dark night he's home to see such jubilee of which there is no like it's a fancy way of saying there's no place like home 
Yeah, I could see that. If if you take the of which there is no like and just replace it, there's no place like home. I think that does bring into the picture what some of those other words are all about. And it would fit the theme of the album that mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's the people right. in our lives that make everything the most important. So the theme of the album, it still felt like that was the most important part. I mean, the, the outro to the album is hold me tight tonight, my darling, out of the dark, dark night. Home to see such jubilee of which there is no like. So, I mean, I, to me, that's that part's fairly clear. And if some of the other verses, particularly in the song, don't exactly fit that theme in an obvious sense, it still seems like in the context of the album as a whole, to end with that, it does summarize what we've been talking about in many other songs. So I, I think you're right on. I think that's just why it was hard for me to definitively unpack it. There, there was an interview where the interviewer asked basically a question in the form of a statement. They said, such jubilee is about missing a loved one, right? I think they meant this song of which there is no like, and maybe just thought that it meant or was supposed to be titled such jubilee or something, because I don't think they would ask that about or imply the whole album was about missing a loved one. And Andrew's song right. is almost in reference to this song, it feels like. So, so they asked if such jubilee which I'm going to assume they meant, of which there is no like, is about missing a loved one. And, and Andrew responded by saying, it, it kind of came out of this feeling I was starting to have. I like to go out and drink and go to the bars and stuff at night. It's kind of having that sense of like, you know, not having that sense of anxiety anymore. Like wanting to go out and being part of, feeling like you're you're missing the party. Basically, it's saying like, yeah, there's lots of fun to be had out there, but it still doesn't compare to the joy you get from finding a companion and building a home together. Uh, that can be the most rewarding and enjoyable feeling. And I think it's coming around to those feelings is what that song's talking about. Starting off always wanting to go out and be a part of the scene and then kind of coming around to this realization that, hey, you know, there are other things in life that are way more rewarding and long lasting. So. Uh, it has a tragic feel with an uplifting end. So I, I think, I think that's maybe what, you know, he meant by being out to sea or going out into the dark, dark night. Maybe that was the temptation, looking for something great, but then inevitably uh, realizing that spending time with one person and and uh, growing that relationship was like more worthy of, you know, his time than going out and doing whatever else. So maybe that, yeah. that was kind of wrapped up in this as well. But it ties into all the the themes we've been talking about with this album of uh, of life, love, and uh, valuing your time or making most use of your time, appreciating um, how little of it you have and you know, spending it the right way, making sure you prioritize the, the people and things that matter the most, home, uh, your, your connections with others, and you know, establishing genuine, strong connections with people that will be there, uh, that will stick around when you need them the most and when they need you, because that, that bond that you share with another person is, you know, maybe more special than anything else in life. Yeah, that certainly seems to be the theme of the album. And I think that's what this song is trying to convey as well. You know, I, w- I wanted to, to comment on something else you mentioned a little bit ago here before I forget and and that's that when you listen to this on first take it it can come off kind of sad and 
it might feel like it's not very uplifting. And even when you dig into some of the the meanings behind the songs, the the lyrics, uh, you know, you mentioned Blue Ruin and, and that wrecking ball, uh, among others, where you know the, the outcome of of the song is is tragic and and uh, dark. But I I think it's I think it's worth uh, stating that you know from from those experiences you 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 probably learn as much if not more about appreciating life and and the fragility of it and how how your time is is very limited um so you know if there's any kind of silver lining that comes out of of loss and and tragedy um it's that it's almost like a kick in the butt to to some degree saying hey you know stop dwelling about insignificant things that, that really don't matter stop stop worrying about you know the the day to day uh trivial stuff you know value your time really grab life by the horns uh and you know go after the things you want to, you know tell the people you care about you love them spend spend genuine time with them um don't get caught up in all the the fluff and and everything that's not really um what life is all about like r- really um, devote your your time and energy and efforts toward all the things that that someday you 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 know you you will long for um you know like there's something about challenging people to appreciate in the moment what they have or the things that 10 years from now they're going to look back and wish they could have you know done more of goes hand in hand and it's fitting for the album to kind of touch on all of those different aspects of you know navigating life and finding a way to to uh, enjoy it as much as you can yeah, I think that's very well said. I, I think that sums this one up perfectly. So an awesome album. I'm glad you picked this one. It's been really fun diving deep into it. And again, it makes me want to go back and listen to the 2019 album a little bit more deeply because, again, the music grabbed me the most from that one. And I think because I know the lyrics to this one, this has edged that one out maybe as my favorite. But if I like the music better on 2019 and the lyrics are just as good, it makes me want to give that one a try. That could end up being my favorite of theirs so but awesome band i mean it's one of those bands i had never even heard of before so just another example of how this podcast is fun getting to introduce me to some albums that uh, i wouldn't have heard otherwise probably well i'm really glad you enjoyed this one and and that uh you've been along for the the ride now uh three years at at least i guess with with me and my fanhood of, of this band which doesn't stem too much farther back than 2019 maybe um, 2017 or somewhere in there but introducing you to tides of a teardrop and then and then picking this one i I don't know how long i have to wait before picking another mandolin orange album or maybe a a future watch house album but this is this is a band that i i really really like and and i hope they're around uh forever i mean i hope uh you know their 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 relationship and, and and their musical um journey continues to be strong. I, I don't know if I mentioned it in the introduction, but uh, they had their first child uh, back in late 2018, I believe. So she would be about maybe four years old. It sounds like things are going strong for the two of them, and I hope they continue to be equally good business partners in this this musical uh, endeavor because you know they put out some really good stuff. And uh, you know, aside from being good musicians and playing off of each other you can really feel the the passion and how how well they know each other with with how they're 
harmonizing, singing together, and, and how, how Emily is is playing um, off of Andrew's vocals on a lot of the tracks. You know, you can, you can just tell there's something a little bit deeper. And I mean, obviously, that's a testament of their, their love for each other and uh, the passion and, and, and commitment and cohesiveness to uh, what they're doing as a, a band with, with the, the messages they're putting out and the music there. Well, cool. We will move on to a new album next. That will be a pick of mine. Yeah, Still that's right. Sorting out what that might be. You have some ideas? I got some ideas. I've got some ideas. But until then, everybody, go listen to a great album. Cheers. If you're enjoying listening to Album Divers, you can support our podcast by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing it with someone else that appreciates great music. Follow and connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at Album Divers. We'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about our take on an album that you already loved or had never heard before. Do you have an album you want us to dive into? Email us at albumdiverspodcast at gmail.com and we'll consider adding it to our queue for a future episode. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you never stop discovering music that moves you to dive deeper. Until next time. <laughs>